Welcome to the Life is a Ceremony podcast by Petiti Institute. We're inspired to share practical insights to engage everyday life as an evolutionary journey. Every moment is an opportunity to practice. If you would like to send us a question or a comment or a donation, you're welcome to visit www.paititi-institute.org. That's www.paititi-institute.org. In this episode, Roman Hannes will discuss breathing and sister wisdom alive in times of crisis. Topics covered include tuning into the spark of your passion and bringing that spark into the most essential state of well-being for oneself and others. Awakening from the dream of separation, the movement of decolonization, and the way to create change through fierce and unwavering love. The essence of ancestral wisdom beyond appearances is why they are so essential in today's world. This is Roman with the Paititi Institute, and we are here tonight with many familiar faces, lots of great friends, also great to connect with everyone across the world wide web are watching. The topic is Breathing Ancestral Wisdom Alive. This is a topic that has been coming up for a while and uh, I've been reflecting on that and keep reflecting on it continuously. This is something that ancient traditions our institute is dedicated to and it is about building intercultural bridges and it's also building direct bridges to one's own self and the nature that uh, we all embody within ourselves and the various qualities that are so essential for uh, human existence or just the existence of nature in general and how those qualities they appear everywhere around us and of course in ourselves as well something that is often taken for granted and is maybe gets lost in the context of everyday life. In the ancient traditions that we work with, these traditions, they are living wisdom traditions, and they are considered to be as essential as the very air that we breathe, sometimes even more. And also they are meant to be just as effective and uh, just as meaningful and just as continuous. So it's not something that is done once in a while and kind of a good experience to have in uh, the memory book, but something that is very relevant, something that is very intimate to each one of us. The indigenous traditions, both from the Amazon and in the Andes and also the Tibetan lineage that we work with, they all relate to this true nature, to this original primordial state that is inherent within everyone and is actually the source of life itself. And this state is something that is always with us. And at the same time, uh, it's often overlooked. And there is this kind of forgetfulness when uh, all kinds of different distractions, all kinds of things happen in life. Yeah, this is maybe not in the first line of priority. And also sometimes this uh, original state becomes attached with uh, all kinds of different stories and conditions and circumstances, uh, the various things in our life. So we all 
wish to be happy, however we may call it, or nobody wishes to suffer, and for different people this may mean different things, how to get to that happiness. And yet uh, the happiness itself, the state itself, is something that is indescribable, something that everyone knows deep inside themselves, on the level of being, on the level of energy, and something that this organism is striving for. And uh, you can see it even in the Western basic biological description, how our physical organism strives towards well-being, strives towards equilibrium, towards balance. And then there are all kinds of situations, experiences, circumstances that inhibit that. And often those are the things that we do to ourselves. And it has to do maybe with different lifestyle choices, different habits, different unhealthy coping mechanisms, different tendencies, and at the same time, this uh, organism is amazing, despite all of that, despite all of those different things that are happening in uh, many of our lives, this organism is still alive. And the indigenous traditions, they have been developed and created. The original intention is to actually honor this natural intention, this natural dynamic, the momentum, and to honor it in a way where this whole life becomes a training ground, becomes an opportunity for encouraging that, recognizing how there is meaning to everything, even to those self-destructive tendencies and all kinds of patterns of avoidance and distraction and basically running away from the issues in life and not knowing how to deal with them. And the breath, of course, breathing it alive, it has to do with just continuous remembrance, continuous reminder with every breath that we take to recognize the greater organism, to recognize the atmosphere without which we cannot exist to recognize the spirit of our shared heart that cannot function without oxygen. And of course, this has to do in the indigenous traditions with passion of our lives, with meaning, with purpose, with that spark that makes us truly alive, not just dragging, you know, miserable existence, having no meaning, no purpose, and just getting stuck in the hamster wheel, in the vicious cycle of mundane, but actually something that is making us feel alive, something that making us feel that there is something to live for, there is something to live for that is much greater than myself and much greater than all of us put together and at the same time includes all of us in that. And of course, this spark is the spark of life, the spark of evolution. This spark is the seed that we are all born with into this world. And I recognize this spark in a very obvious way in my son this day, in a child who is just full of awe and inspiration and wonder and is 
living life as an adventure and is continuously exploring and having all kinds of challenges and at the same time is not brought down by those challenges and not kept down he falls and he gets up and he continues and, and has this spirit has this recognition of this universe that is alive that is just filled with limitless possibilities in our today's world it's very popular for people to go to the ancient traditions and see that there is something special about them. Sometimes look at them as kind of a new, maybe salvation. Okay, I'm gonna go to this ancient tradition and I'm gonna go through this motions, through some rituals, some ceremonies, maybe they involve different magical potions and it's gonna solve the problems for me. I'm gonna find something new to pray to and it's gonna shield me from the harsh reality that I experience. So of course coming from that kind of mentality I also had that initially you know I'm just as guilty in that and at the same time I found that that's not what these traditions were originally intended for and grateful for the teachers that I've had in these traditions that were not there just to entertain me or to pamper me or to tell me what I want to hear but actually really show what it's all about allow me to verify through my own experience and so then I started discovering that yeah it's just finding adapting this ancient traditions to this conventional conditional kind of a way of living life where I want something that can just do everything for me and I want to fix everything and have everything to be perfect so that I don't have to deal with problems in life so that I don't have to deal with challenges and uh, I want to reach some kind of a state where I don't have to do anything I can just lay back and enjoy life and float above the ground in a nice kind of fantasy cloud and that's it and that's not really what this living wisdom traditions are about because they are living it's something that has to be kept alive it's not something that can be put into cruise control or worked with in an automated way where is some kind of a mechanism these traditions, they have been designed to reflect that and to allow each individual to then translate it into one's own direct life experience and how one's life is structured, how one's life is unfolding and the particular circumstances and situations. Of course, meeting with some of these elders and uh, the lineage holders and recognizing this uh, certain vibrancy, impartial aliveness and willingness to fully experience life and be open to have that bright spark being witnessed in them is very inspiring and initially it may seem like okay I'm, I, I want what that person has 
I want to drink what they're drinking. And then, of course, drinking it and doing what they're doing, maybe imitating whatever motions they're going through, and seeing that that's not it. That's not what it's about. These people, they can be great examples of what is possible, and yet it's not possible to walk in someone else's footsteps for this wisdom to awaken in my own life. I have to get real with myself. I have to make it relevant. I cannot pretend to be someone else. I cannot pretend to be living their lives. And so uh, these traditions, they're meant to be blueprints. They are meant to be recognized as these maps of inner landscape that one has to learn how to read and then apply it to one's own experience. Yes, of course, there are different thresholds of development, of evolution. There are those universal qualities, but they can only be awakened by facing the particular challenges in each of our specific experiences. In that way, there is a certain aspect in this tradition where before I can even consider myself a practitioner I have to aspire to practice. I have to learn how to learn first. I have to unlearn all of my preconceived notions and concepts and ideas and this kind of consumerist mentality where all I'm doing is just collecting a bag of tricks and really develop a living relationship. Okay, I want to see what this means on the level of being. I have to relate to these traditions, not just as some kind of bodies of knowledge, but I have to relate to them through the practitioners, through the living examples, through the people, and see them as people, as human beings who have their own challenges, who go through everyday life and experience all kinds of situations, and then recognize it not as some kind of an external truth that I am trying to accomplish or I'm trying to assimilate, but really recognizing that this truth is within me, it's within each one of us, and then I can start to witness, to be receptive to that truth in others, and some may embody that truth on a much deeper level than I am. But it's the same truth that just continues to deepen. And without really trusting that each one of us has that elemental, fundamental level of truth, these traditions have no meaning. Then they just become an external cover-up. And so this uh, breathing ancestral wisdom alive, recognizing something that has always been here, has always lived within each one of us. And then just like this little spark of fire that can be breathed more and more bright and put into the right container, into this good kind of stove and have good kindling around it, and then it can start become brighter and brighter. Of course, it's important to see how, yes, there is this 
element of happiness involved. There is this element of inspiration, of passion, of great joy that is boundless. And at the same time to see that there are also challenges and difficulties and all kinds of situations that are necessary for this path to be effective. Otherwise, it will be too superficial. The joy in this tradition, when I just came to the Amazon about 18 years ago, I've heard the indigenous people talk about this heritage and birthright that we all have, which is to be happy just like birds fly in the sky. Of course, it sounds very tempting. At the same time, you know, that was uh, also a popular notion of many modern different spiritual philosophies, different directions that uh, don't necessarily have the lineage of many generations of people who have put it to the test, who put it to the trial of everyday life circumstances and who lived in all kinds of harsh circumstances and saw that to be true and then there is a tendency that yeah it's all supposed to be just very fluffy love and light and the sign of uh, spiritual progress is there shouldn't be any problems and if there are problems then something is wrong and then trying to convince oneself that everything is fine i have no problems and I can create a life where there are no problems and I just have to keep convincing myself and others that it's possible and if I do it hard enough then maybe it will be possible and then it just becomes a, a very elaborate self-deception this kind of seeking of uh, some kind of a magical pill a quick fix magical potion living life that is just in a way um, based on very short kind of glimpses uh, certain happy moments that then go into numb kind of very sleepy boring mundane life that is just dragging itself waiting for the next psychedelic roller coaster to happen so to speak at the same time this kind of reference to the timeless happiness, to this joy, is uh, something that is specifically pointed in this ancient tradition. It's not really bound by ups and downs in life, and it can be brought into every moment, and can be experienced impartially, but for that it's necessary to actually get to know all of the challenges and get to know the workings of conditioning and really be present with that which is not easy and quite difficult so it's very popular today to talk about happiness and how everything is great and it's not very popular to actually engage in this ancient traditions in a way where yeah i have to get real with myself and i have to really become vulnerable and honest with myself and really make it painfully obvious all the ways that I avoid and ignore and 
escape and distract yourself and really throw in the towel when things get rough and just want to give up and you know stop the train I want to get off okay that's it you know I don't want to experience it at the same time life happens life continues and with all of the differences between the modern society and this ancient traditions the indigenous people there are still those universal thresholds that we all have to go through no matter what we all have this human body we all have to go through all kinds of disappointments we all have to go through failures we all have to go through old age i mean some of us maybe don't but everyone have to experience certain illnesses diseases loss of loved ones experiences of confusion disempowerment frustration things don't go our way and eventually death in modern society those things are not so popular to talk about to reflect it's kind of cool you know, do you have to be a party pooper and drag everything down why don't can't we talk about something nice and happy uplifting but actually without going into those things in these traditions that we work with true happiness is not possible true happiness is only possible when there is this uh, fertile ground this kind of mud of existence that is thoroughly prepared for that seed of the heart to sprout from and the true happiness in these traditions is not related to pleasure to the sensual pleasure so to speak of our lives but it's directly connected to this capacity of the heart to be fully open with everything that may be happening and it's a different kind of joy it's a different kind of happiness and that kind of happiness is unconditional just like the heart can be unconditional and so in that way there is that timeless potential that can be nurtured that can be cultivated these traditions they revolve around healing they revolve around really looking into the nature of the problems in life into the nature of trouble in life and recognizing that all of those issues in everyday life they are the eggshell they are in a way this cocoon that is so necessary for the maturation and emergence of the heart and so it has a very essential purpose without which it's just not possible is the cocoon preventing the butterfly from being free or is it necessary for the butterfly's evolution in uh, this ancient traditions the teachers that i've had in each one of them the teachers have shared over the years just the main challenge of these traditions coming into today's world and recognizing how these traditions were always about 
the capacity of the human spirit to shine in the face of adversity. And so then the main challenge in many of these traditions is that often they are approached as something that is not so connected to everyday life. They sometimes seem so exotic and so difficult to relate, to translate these traditions into everyday life. And so they seem to be often as this kind of um, separate island, fantasy land. What is it? Never, never. Utopia. Utopia, never, never land, uh, Peter Pan kind of place. You know, I'd, again, I'm guilty of that myself. You know, at a certain point, I ran away you know, when I was 22, 19 years ago. I ran away from everyday life. At that time, I saw the society, the principles, everything was just, it seemed so wrong to me. And I thought to myself, I never want to go back. I want to go and just hide in the rainforest with the tribes and never come back to this society because it's just completely wrong. And then living there for three years and seeing that actually I can blame it on external situations only for so long. But wherever I go, there I am. Maybe the first year I can maintain this illusion that I found some kind of a utopia, a place that is very different, very exotical. But then where I go, there I am. And then I, I have to meet my old self again with all of my ignorance, all of the different things that I ignore, that I'm just not willing to admit to myself about. Then it starts to become obvious at a certain point I had to make a choice and I had to make a choice in a way where there was no other choice to make. It just became so painfully obvious that I could no longer avoid, could no longer ignore. And I definitely tried. I definitely tried to avoid and ignore and escape and of course, it's such an ingrained conditioning that although I have recognized that on a more raw level of my life, it continues in many subtle ways. And that's what these traditions are about, is they are specifically geared towards learning to recognize it on more subtle levels and deepening that experience and seeing how easy it is to forget and get carried away by all kinds of different appearances and form an identity around all kinds of different enlightening experiences and think okay that's it you know i had this experience and that means that i've accomplished something i've done my work and i don't have to do it again and actually right there and then this kind of personality construct, this elaborate self-deception just sneaks right back in. And then very subtly, often, catching myself when there is already a significant kind of wandering away from that original 
essence which is not something that is fixed it's not something that i can own that i can possess okay that's it i possess it it cannot be possessed it can only be shared and it cannot be grasped the only way that i can actually embody it is by letting go is by not trying to grasp and hold on to something and add it to my list of accomplishments or another trinket that i can show off it's not based on some kind of external recognition it's only based on the degree that i can really own my shit so to speak <laughs> how i can really uh, compost all of the different things that i don't really want to see necessarily or i'm not comfortable with in um, this ancient traditions in many of them the essential rite of passage was actually about failing failing in a supportive environment and not just failing because i want to just give up but definitely trying and being encouraged and seeing how meaningful it is to try to succeed and then failing and not being judged or made wrong for that and in that way remembering the childlike essence that it's okay not to know it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay to have unresolved issues it's not wrong it's an essential part of human existence and actually it's those kind of experiences once i open up to them that allow this getting out of this false construct this illusion of separate bubble that is me and then opening up to the shared heart recognizing that i don't have to do anything to deserve love i don't have to prove myself to anyone to be loved and that's not a condition for me to evolve evolution is a natural impulse it's not like if i'm gonna love myself then i'm not gonna do anything in my life to keep learning to keep awakening and then uh, opening up to that coming to peace coming to terms with some of those challenges in life that may never be resolved and at the same time seeing that the only reason why they have been bothering me all along was because there was an essential message coming in from this higher intelligence of a greater organism this language of the universe that is very essential to learn in this ancient traditions it's this communication that is telling me to awaken to awaken from this dream of separation the world is telling us to follow our dreams and these traditions are telling us to awaken and of course to awaken this dream has to be understood 
the language, this dream language that is coming through everyone and everything that is pointing to the interconnectedness, to the reciprocity that uh, is the foundational pillar of many if not all ancient traditions nothing is possible without everything and it is that openness that return to the childlike essence that allows this living wisdom to awaken each one of us has come into this world completely helpless completely incapable without basic care and support none of us would be here right now and none of us had to say anything or do anything to deserve that unconditional love and it is something that is often forgotten and then there is some kind of competition race to prove that I'm good enough that I'm worthy that I'm better than others that I want to be accepted but I cannot say it directly then there is this whole personality that is often developed around it all kinds of tricks and at the same time it has never gone away it's only this belief system thinking that it's not accessible and actually nature is always here the scarcity mentality is a man-made concept in nature there is complete abundance it's the essential principle of nature and so these ancient traditions they may appear sometimes to be uh, some kind of a system some kind of this etiquette that has to be learned uh, some kind of special ritual but without actually connecting the dots and seeing what that means what that ritual actually symbolizes it doesn't have any meaning doesn't have any sense and this is something that i i often see it's very popular today it's uh, this kind of when when i was starting off the amazonian culture was not very known and then over time yeah there is this kind of cherry picking mentality or picking just one aspect out of a certain tradition and thinking that that's all it's about it's kind of like the most loud the most explosive element it becomes assimilated into the social conditions where it just becomes another kind of popularity contest or club or you know who is gonna drink more medicine who is in on it and who is not you know, those who are special and those who are not special and thinking that just because I'm doing this that puts me into a different category and actually in these traditions that's really not a factor and the main essence of these traditions comes in a very subtle way the, the true change doesn't come through this uh, huge 
aha moment and uh, this universal realization that we are all one and suddenly that's it and I got it all and I'm so excited about it and I'm just gonna tell the whole world but it comes in very subtle ways it comes over a long period of time of getting real with myself and recognizing the work that I have to do with being more open with uh, all of the challenges in my life with all of the different issues with all of the different bad sides of myself all of my weaknesses and learning how to open the heart to that how to come to a greater degree of acceptance bringing the heart into all of those dark corners that I would rather just sweep under the carpet and pretend that they're not there and it's really in that capacity of the heart and not making it wrong and recognizing that yeah I'm doing this because I don't know any better and all of those different negative habits and coping mechanisms and substance abuse and whatever it may be serves its purpose it has served its purpose it allowed me to survive to this moment and continue to be honest and really see okay well how can I really engage with my experience with my life in a more meaningful way then naturally those things start to fall away without needing to fight with it and force it and be afraid or be just dominated by those kind of tendencies in life and so then seeing that yeah those are just habits that have formed out of not knowing out of ignorance and then once i know i can start cultivating healthy habits so to speak i can start engaging life in a way that is more inspiring more meaningful and the old habits will continue to reoccur just because of that momentum doing them for so long but i don't have to make a big deal about it okay that's just an old habit that is happening it's not wrong it's not something that is inspiring me it's happening there is no charge around it it's not like i'm fighting it and this is a big deal and it's a problem and my whole life is revolving around. no it's happening and i'll do it but i'd rather do something else i'd rather do something that is much more fulfilling and inspiring and then starting to find more and more opportunities to engage with life in a more meaningful in a more inspiring way and then naturally those old habits start to dissolve they start to fall away it's no longer a struggle and that's what these traditions are about is it's a art of no resistance it's learning how to recognize and open to oneself to one's qualities to one's own circumstances and conditions and recognizing it very intimately i have to really get to know and see my life objectively without being charged around it without being so blocked emotionally without needing to just 
frantically cover things up because I don't think I have it in me to face all of those different situations, experiences, to engage with uh, some emotions, some feelings that have occurred in my life and then are continuously being reminded of through all kinds of circumstances. And so in this way, it's learning how to be a channel of energy or remembering oneself as a channel of energy rather than needing to guard certain energies, the energies of experiences, states of being, emotions, feelings that I could never fully process. I didn't know how to process. I didn't know how to be with them. And then I pushed them away into some dark corner and put a lot of effort to hold it there until the time that maybe I'll know how to engage with them. And then to such a degree that I even forgot about it. And so the first step in these traditions is this recognition that actually it's possible. It's possible to face all of those different aspects of being alive, all the good and bad and the ugly. And just that recognition is already a huge step in the way. Most of society today doesn't have that, doesn't have that access to the living wisdom traditions that show an example that it's possible. And so then the whole society is designed around this entertainment industry, the convenience, the comfort that prevents evolution from happening. One of our indigenous elders once said, excessive comfort makes us weak. There has to be some challenge in our lives for continuous awakening, for continuous evolution to happen. There has to be some struggle and if that is just covered up, then it becomes a very meaningless zombie type of existence where there is nothing to live for and uh, it's just a random life. And all we have is those little momentary glimpses of instant gratification that are so abundant in a modern world followed by uh, this underlining despair and yeah i know people who cannot be in a quiet atmosphere who have to have a radio turned on at all times or a television playing and if it stops there is this anxiety there is a stress coming to surface i have to deal with these deep issues in my life and I don't know how to deal with them and there is this irrational fear around it I cannot even allow myself to admit that and I have to immediately cover it up and just try to have this continuous show the show must go on no matter what and of course it doesn't matter how good the show is and how expensive the Hollywood production is. There are still all kinds of gaps. There's all kinds of 
different imperfections in that kind of camouflage in the cover-up it still pops through it comes through the nightmares at night which in the indigenous traditions there are no nightmares and often in our work people come to us with dreams that we decode based on that ancient language and then we start seeing how yeah it's not scary at all it's actually pointing to something that is very beautiful and very loving something that is transcending this dream of separation something that breaks the cover-up mask of course there is a lot invested in that mask instead of really being vulnerable and seeing all of the challenges there is this persona there is this construct that is essential for life to engage and interact but that's not really who i am and yeah it, it's kind of an easy fix to just forget that there is something more to it and then yeah i am my profession i am whatever i am some kind of a director or i am some kind of an important person or i am some kind of artist or i am some kind of a healer or whatever it may be and then i don't have to really deal with this living organism and it's kind of shielding me from that to a certain point and sooner or later the truth comes out and in this traditions definitely sooner than later in this traditions it's essential to prepare oneself to go through those essential thresholds of life as a evolutionary portal as a rite of passage in a graceful way rather than avoiding it to the last moment and then suddenly you know not able to escape and yeah just having this inescapable type of experience that is happening that is bound to happen you know just like this body is mortal it's impermanent and so uh, the sooner the better like finding a greater purpose than oneself finding something that keeps living this spirit of the heart finding oneself in others finding others in oneself seeing how the ancestors they keep living our hearts because they were able to embody those universal qualities that are greater than love that capacity to love that capacity to give oneself to the beauty of this greater community being in service to such a degree where there is a recognition that this 
physical experience is actually a way to cultivate that connection, a way to return to that uh, original creative source in a fully conscious way, a way to recognize that beyond this separation there is this nature that is love, that is fearless love, that can be trusted. And this is something that is very meaningful, something that is very inspiring, something that goes beyond this body, recognizing that, yeah, I have this body and I can honor this body and nurture and keep it healthy, but I'm not this body. This body can be a vehicle, a vessel to the shared heart, to this experience of interconnectedness, to the embodiment of that uh, organic greater intelligence and that is a living wisdom that is something that can be applied to all experiences and then everything in life becomes an opportunity to verify that to test it actually there is unconditional capacity to be present more and more unconditional i can keep pushing the edges and see that, yeah, I've been avoiding this uh, situation, but I can be a little bit more present with it and see that actually, yeah, that is inspiring. That is revitalizing. That I can be present with this challenge in myself and then I can open myself to the same challenge in others instead of being constantly reminded of something that I don't want to see. Everyone blowing my cover. Yeah, I'm not comfortable with something and I don't know how to deal with this emotion and this pain and then I experience it in someone else and if I don't want to see it, I get upset at them. Oh, why did you have to appear in my life? I had such a good cover-up. I had such a good camouflage. I was able to put such a good mask and then uh, changing the attitude and seeing, no, I'm grateful for my cover to be blown. I'm grateful for this elaborate self-deception to be exposed so that I can awaken to who I truly am and seeing that there is something there. And sometimes it, it is heard like a fairy tale. Oh, then the unconditional love and the true nature, it has to be experience it has to be lived seeing yeah i can be impartially present i can be fully alive with everything that is occurring no matter how difficult or challenging or blissful or pleasant it is i don't have to get carried away by my experience and then naturally life becomes joyful and fearless and the heart awakens. The heart awakens from fearlessness, from this recognition that there is nothing to be afraid of. And I sincerely wish to share that with people who are dear to me in my life. And then beyond. And then seeing that, yeah, actually, everyone are going through that evolutionary journey, learning to trust in that unconditional nature.
that we were all born from and then didn't have the right circumstances to confirm that truth that we each have and then doubting you know this innocence this vulnerability this tenderness is something that has no place in this harsh world I have to hide it away I have to put some kind of a front and armor I have to build a fortress around it and then being so good at it that it becomes my own jail even I cannot access it yeah great job yeah I have to commend on that you know <laughs> it's part of the the journey of liberation it's just seeing how strong of a fortress I have built around this tender essence that uh, I have mistrusted and yet really cared for yeah it doesn't have a place in this world but I'm gonna protect it with all I have and at the same time it's this essence is that innocence that is indestructible that is more powerful than uh, any power in existence and there have been many cases where the most ferocious animals have succumbed to the child nature and then raised little children as their own and it's it's that kind of power it's that power of the innocent heart and it has to be trusted it has to be verified okay i can be exposed i can be tender i can be open and i don't have to keep that kind of indoctrinated victim mentality alongside with it it doesn't have to be associated with woundedness and then woundedness being wrong and then all of those illnesses all of those diseases all of those problems in life they become ornaments of liberation you know that's how the tibetan lineage we work with relates to them and in the amazonian tradition they are related to as the treasury of unconditional love within each disease there is that unconditional love waiting to be discovered each disease is a mother and the more i can verify that and i can open up without making a story and of course i don't have to torture myself needlessly but to just open myself to what i'm already experiencing this experience of channeling energy in many traditions it's pointed to it's the energy of each moment how can I embrace each moment in whatever way it is unfolding and make the best of it instead of resist it no, this I don't want to experience this I don't want to happen I have my own agenda and my own expectation and then life becomes miserable and so this relentless flow of life each moment is unlike any other before it's continuous always new
always fresh, always spontaneous. And the only thing that does not change within that continuous stream is the spacious, unconditional, open nature of the heart that is up to each one of us to discover. And so instead of dedicating life to developing this illusion of security and certainty and planning, no, this exactly, this is exactly how I want things to happen. And then, yeah, being disappointed. And so instead of that, why not dedicate life to a loving relationship with uncertainty, with insecurity, with this tender nature of the heart, and learn how to be steady in that, how to be rooted in that tender power, and verify continuously. And the only way to verify it is to be open to this continuous, fresh and spontaneous unfolding that is life. That's how our teachers relate to that. If it's something that is superficial or uh, not fresh, if it's uh, some kind of show that I learned how to put on, it's not real. That's not what it's about. Definitely, it's very difficult. It's very challenging because it's just all of this time that has been dedicated to the complete opposite, that has been dedicated to the illusion of stability, to this fixed identity that has accomplished something, that is somewhere. And in this path, it's not a path of personal development. It's not a path of uh, self-improvement. It's a path of realization. It's uh, a path of awakening to this indestructible nature that is always here. And so in many ways, it's, uh, it's very opposing this uh, modern mentality. And of course, uh, you know, like I said, I myself have, has, have come in into these traditions with this very illusory idea of what it is. And then spend a long time just beating my head against the wall and just not getting it. And Thankfully, having good enough teachers that were helping me see that I was not getting it. Instead of trying to convince me that uh, you know, I, I just have to keep investing myself in self-deception. And so then little by little, drop by drop, starting to see that it's about something completely different than what I thought then gradually opening myself. And then of course, after the initial three years in the Amazon and coming to a point where the traditional apprenticeship period has come to an end and seeing that, yeah, I resolved this physical, genetic, incurable in Western medicine illness and 
at the same time that was just the tip of the iceberg and then being directed and pointed okay now go back to this uh, society that I have escaped from that I thought that everything is wrong about and yeah really bring that seed learn how to bring that seed of course the ceremonies the retreats they are helpful to connect to that seed to have a glimpse of it to see that it is possible to be present with the experience but then not to fool oneself that it's the conditions and circumstances of that retreat or of that teacher or of uh, some kind of a magical potion that will substitute that nature that will substitute this journey and then saying okay now that i have seen that glimpse i've seen what's possible now how can i really bring that into life and not expect some kind of conditions to be there when i experience it and then going back into the society that i thought was wrong and really recognizing that it was just that perfect training ground that was making me feel uncomfortable and insecure and it was very difficult after three years in amazon rainforest to go back into new york city and do something with myself the first six months I just found this kind of post-apocalyptic swamp in uh, Brooklyn and I ended up, you know, living there. I kind of just hid away from society and I had no idea how to bring myself into this world. I had this kind of like, I, I uh, called it the Mowgli syndrome. <laughs> Yeah, like I had no idea what am I supposed to talk to people about well hello I just spent three years in Amazon you know I have no idea why <laughs> there was no purpose to it from the perspective of this modern society there was no career path involved I have no certificate to show you know yeah that, that was very stupid <laughs> and uh, and really needing to come to terms with that and not even knowing where to start and then at a certain point yeah just uh, feeling like I was going mad and then uh, needing to do something with all this energy that I could not come to find how could I apply it to this society and then, yeah, after about six months, then, yeah, I could no longer bear it. I went into a situation that I escaped from before I went to the Amazon. I went back into the corporate world. I had to really face it. And went to school full time. Yeah, I had to really occupy myself completely, otherwise. It was impossible and then actually fully engaging fully immersing in this society that i had so much negativity 
generated around and really finding a lot of meaning and seeing how everything in this modern society is sacred in a way you know that's what people do to avoid being insane and it seems insane right but people have nine to five jobs and have all kinds of different loans and mortgages and engage in shopping and all of that because you know that's that has become the the sacred ritual that keeps people sane and gives some meaning in the absence of anything else and then starting to recognize that deeper meaning that deeper purpose in the amazon having the supportive containers and having the healing circles where all of us would actually be put into the alchemical pressure cooker where there was no other choice but to face the difficulties in life to face the problems to face the pain and then coming back to new york after three years and coming back after the 9-11 has happened and seeing how that was the rite of passage for the people of new york that brought them closer together mm. it was done not in a supportive container and that's how society today operates with the same energies right there is this uh, i think oracle of delhi in ancient greece he he said in the battle of life gods will be present whether we invoke them or not all of those gods of love of war are present this human existence is in a way the archetypal battlefield and our egos have an essential place in that yeah and seeing that there are all of those forces that influence our lives i may think that i know who i am and what i'm about but there's just a, such a tiny thing of who i really am of this greater facet of myself that involves all of those powerful natural forces the forces of psychic energies all of those emotions feelings passions inspirations longings and so then how can i honor them how can i acknowledge them and channel them through my life in a conscious way rather than being footballed around unconsciously not realizing that the universe does not revolve around me that there is a greater organism that there is a greater meaning just than my own self-gratifying tendencies and then finding the greater joy in this service to the shared heart and so these traditions they're considered to be the mystery initiation schools what they may initially appear as is something else entirely 
where there is greater and greater meaning and purpose that is unraveled in these traditions. And it requires receptivity and openness rather than thinking, oh, I've learned how to shake this shaker or this, you know, leaf instrument and I've learned how to sing a few songs and chant and that makes me an expert. And that's what it's about. And I've learned some kind of a external ritual in great detail. And now I have a new mask to hide behind. And of course, yeah, with this path, I've encountered challenges gradually emerging from this cocoon of society and learning how to share these traditions in the way that it was taught to me and experiencing many frowning faces. Over the years, people really wanting me to have some kind of an appearance. So you're supposed to have this template of how a shaman appears like or you're supposed to just show up as someone who doesn't have any issues or you know this kind of like society of Facebook likes oh I can keep an appearance better than you and then yeah definitely experiencing this kind of like peer pressure and practicing to withstand that. No, I know I'm gonna just be my awkward and vulnerable and someone who doesn't have it all together self. And I'm gonna keep practicing what my teachers showed me and I'm not gonna practice it perfectly, I'm far from. And I'm gonna see what it's about and I'm gonna be with the problems and be with the challenges. And yeah, then uh, at the same time over the years then definitely forming a deeper connection with certain key individuals that could see through the appearance, that actually valued that connection of being real, not playing some kind of a game that involves this kind of like masks and certain in a, in a way, lack of relatedness. Oh yeah, I'm just gonna play this shaman or this healer, you're gonna play someone else, and we're just gonna do this thing and play our parts and then not have any time to actually engage with each other and relate and share the difficulties of life and share the challenges and not make it wrong. And actually have time for that. That's what these traditions are about. And this is what I've really been inspired and motivated by in our uh, intentional community that has been forming over the years that is not about quantity but is about quality. How can we keep evolving, keep awakening? supporting each other and then keep witnessing that it's not like yeah i'm just gonna be this bartender who is gonna pour you this strong drink that will help you forget about your problems for a night no i, I i'm i'm here to remind you and you're here to remind me and then witnessing this real 
evolution. The evolution of return. Witnessing this spark becoming brighter and brighter. And that is truly inspiring. This is what I do this work for. This is what I do for them. And they're grateful to actually engage in this way, reminding each other of this ancestral wisdom that comes from the north and the south and the east and the west, all my relations. Seeing how we are all sparks that have come from the same source and the more we can really see each other in the face of everything in life, in the face of all circumstances, the more that that source can be awakened. And really looking life in the eyes, really breathing every moment and rediscovering that power of the human spirit. Yeah, people like to have different aids and formal practices in daily life, but none of that can substitute consciousness. None of that can substitute actually carrying that spark through all the situations in life, through all circumstances. And so then consciousness is the main healing agent. Otherwise, no microdosing in the world. People really like to do that. That's like, you know, on our tour, people coming to me and telling me how they've been microdosing or macrodosing or whatever. Every day, you know, taking all kinds of things on substances and doing different practices. But actually, it's really about not maintaining. It's about opening up. Yeah, the, this difficulty, this pain, I'm going to open myself to it. I'm going to learn, maybe not right away. And yeah, I'm going to have all kinds of support structures, but I'm not going to use them to avoid and pretend. I'm going to learn how to open myself a little bit more and have a little bit more of that artificial conditional support structure and open myself a little bit more and trust in nature of the heart a little bit more and a little bit more until I can do it fully alive until there is nothing artificial about it until it's completely fresh and spontaneous yeah, take as long as you want but make sure that that's the direction that the direction is clear that this creative energy is used to face life and not escape life so I think that's good enough for today's talk you know, I've deviated from my usual format of sharing about these traditions very grateful for the healing circle for the living wisdom that I keep witnessing in everyone and without each one of us who are open to listening to be receptive these traditions wouldn't be alive that's why it's called living wisdom is because this wisdom keeps being alive through people like us and that's how it has happened generation over generation there had to be real people who were willing to apply it to their own particular circumstances and challenges 
and not create some kind of a front. And so I'm very grateful for that. Very grateful to all of our community. And yeah, keep discovering that unconditional love. And so now we'll have some time for question and answer. And people can ask some questions or maybe share some feedback that is relevant to the subject. Rami, you had mentioned that excessive comfort. Uh, kind of say that again. Mm. Excessive comfort does something about what creates more unconsciousness. Excessive comfort makes us weak. So the question was about the excessive comfort, what I mentioned in terms of the excessive comfort. And I mentioned in the talk that one of our elders shared that excessive comfort makes us weak. And without having challenges, without having to actually work hard for the necessities in our lives without needing to face the circumstances, then there is no evolution. The evolution just doesn't happen when there is excessive convenience and excessive comfort and entertainment and distraction and then it just creates a lot of complacency. For the indigenous people, yeah, I've witnessed the people that I've lived in are some of the most happy people I've ever experienced and also as people who had the most difficult circumstances in life and because of that learning how to appreciate the simple joys of life and it's the kind of spirituality that is very practical it's very earth-based spirituality where if I'm not going to take care of the seeds in the garden, then my family is not going to have anything to eat. If I'm not going to come together with my community and create shelter, then basically the energy of nature is going to overrun us. If I don't plant trees and have enough firewood for the winter, then we're going to freeze to death. And so in the East, there is this saying in Zen, in Zen Buddhism, before enlightenment, the monk chops wood and carries water, and after enlightenment, the monk chops wood and carries water. But it's a very different type of experience. And so it's really this kind of the awakened seed of the heart that is brought into the most mundane, into the most challenging experiences and circumstances where the hardships of life are not avoided but are actually engaged in a way that allows the heart to keep blossoming. I have a question about the kind of like the habit energy and how you said when you see the old habits arise you know noticing them not fighting mm. not buying into it um, sometimes in my life, I see that the old habit energies are taking the vast majority of my time and energy. Does that even apply then? Like if it's really overrunning you, they'll do the same thing, just notice? In my experience especially. Of course, uh, yeah, I have to learn how to actually be present with them. 
Okay, I'm gonna be a little bit more present with this habit. And just observe it. Yeah, I keep doing it, but uh, I'm not doing it mindlessly. Okay, I'm gonna really be present and see what is this about? What is it about this habit that is so enticing for me? What is it that I find to be so magnetizing, so drawing? What is it that I find for me? What kind of positive result, right? You know, even with the most negative habits, there is some kind of a purpose that they have been serving, just not knowing any better way to face life. And so then, yeah, of course, needing to learn how to be present. And then especially with those kind of habits, I'm not going to judge. And I'm not going to just blindly do it. I'm going to be fully present and open and see what is this about? What is it really? Because without understanding that, I cannot emerge from the cocoon. There has to be some maturation, some realization happening within that. And then I can engage, okay, I'm not going to judge myself, I'm not going to make it wrong. I know that it's not something that is helpful to me, but I need to really understand what it's about first. And so I'm not going to judge and I'm going to bring that unconditional love into my experience so that I can make that mistake once and for all and learn from it. Instead of covering it up and having this kind of like fight inside of me of this, you know, strict parent and a rebel without the cause. Oh no, you shouldn't be doing that. You know better. But do I know better? I need to really do that and fully experience it and see what it's about. Instead of creating this kind of like dogmatic, irrational prohibition. And... At the same time, you also really see that, yeah, okay, I want to understand what it's about. And also not just being convinced by it. Right? Yeah, I'm going to do it, and I'm not going to judge it, but I'm also not just going to take it for granted and think that that's what my life is about. And then see, yeah, here I'm doing it, and I'm going to do it fully. And now I'm going to experience the side effects of that, or the results of that action. And here I'm experiencing the consequences, and see that, yeah, you know, that was not a smart thing. And here's why. And now I can see it very clearly. And then see, okay, but really, uh, you know, it's not really the habits, it's not really the coping mechanisms, it's not the substances that I do but it's really what I run away from by doing it. And then seeing, well, what am I really running away from? The ignorance as the cause of suffering. What am I ignoring? What am I ignoring? I want to be fully present. And then see, okay, yeah, this is actually, I, I never knew how to face this energy, this sensation, this situation in my life. And so I've reached for whatever was available. And now I can start bringing more awareness into it. And see, okay, you know, actually, I can maybe do it in a different way. 
where I can engage with this issue that I've been avoiding and start building towards that. Okay, how can I face it a little bit more? I'm going to take extra few breaths before I reach for that familiar comfort zone. And it's not just, okay, I'm going to cut away this bad habit. But, okay, what can I bring into its place? Because if I just cut that away, there is this void that is left that you know, leaves the issue unresolved. Okay, what do I do without this familiar coping mechanism in order to engage or disengage? And so then bringing awareness into it, bringing presence, this is the path of realization. Roman, can you speak to the dream of separation in context to the movement of decolonization? Mm. Yeah, the movement of decolonization, especially here in, in North America, I know that there has been this emergence and more and more people tune in into that. And yeah, over the years here in, in North America, I have a few good friends in the Northern Native American tradition. I've known a few elders, specifically from the Lakota people, and one of them was Kenny the Iron Cane, who was a great-great-grandson of the Crazy Horse, and he was a dear friend who passed away years ago, and known a few more people. And from the elders, I have seen that the true decolonization movement is not becoming what they were fighting against. I think the, the recent Standing Rock movement was a beautiful example of that, where it was based on those original principles of this tender power, not fighting, not responding to violence with violence. It's that power that the elders have always spoken about, and I have also seen it to become misconstrued where there is this kind of wounding you know, which definitely shouldn't be ignored and at the same time yeah there is also this kind of more maybe younger not such a conscious response that is based on a lot of rage and anger and a lot of disturbance and not so much of that heart presence that rises above that is more noble than the opponent than this kind of like colonizing mentality and this colonizing mentality it's not based on a particular race in uh, the Native American tradition they had this uh, term for this disease that they saw the Westerners being sick with. Not everyone, but at that time definitely there was that majority of the sickness they called vetico. I think that was the name for it in the Northern Native American tradition. And rather than seeing specific individuals as the enemies, seeing that it was that sickness that sickness of separation that was the wounding of the Westerners as well, who have been colonized. 
now there are also many people who are awakening to the indigenous nature of the European culture and how there was a lot of war and enslavement and indoctrination that uh, came to those people and then that sickness took over being overtaken by the fear being overtaken by the rage that is arising out of that fear not knowing how to deal with it and then spreading that throughout the world and so it didn't only happen here in the northern america not only in southern america yeah this is the more fresh situation but the indigenous people in in the amazon and also here in the northern uh, american culture the elders they still remember that it's not about blaming specific external people for that because then you know it just perpetuates that disease it's really saying yeah i'm not going to give in into that i'm going to maintain that open unconditional heart i'm going to embody that living wisdom i'm going to carry this lineage instead of becoming what i fight against and in that way there is healing in the eastern culture there is this saying hatred can never overcome hatred only love can overcome hatred this is ancient and eternal truth and it doesn't have a copyright on it it is something that transcends the particular appearance of these traditions which were the sacred vessels what made this vessel sacred is this nature of unconditional heart without that nature of unconditional heart no matter how elaborate and how exact those rituals are and how they are kept they are just meaningless and so it's really that essence that is kept in the vessel and this vessels they were meant to be shared and that's how this ancient traditions were in the amazon especially in the andes the indigenous people they do not base these traditions on the appearance but on that willingness to fully be engaged with life to recognize that reciprocity it's the foundational pillar of these traditions it's that essence that keeps them alive and the only way that they get diluted is when this essence of unconditional heart when that fearless love is taken out of them this is how it's been shared with me both by the northern american the native american elders that uh, have been dear friends of mine and amazonian andean elders the witoto tribe the ashwar tribe the yagua tribe the shipibos the 
Machi Gengas, the Machi Paris, the stripes that I've worked with and experience their wisdom more directly and also the Kera Nation we have a few friends with them and it's really something that is universal it goes back to the essence of each human being that has come from the womb of the Great Mother so that's a little something that I can share in that regard Um, how would you say the Paititi Institute is um, different from other schools and you, know, you mentioned the path of self-development and kind of getting a certificate or accreditation or something through the retreats that Paititi is offering. Um, how is that different from other modern schools? Yeah, what is meaningful to me in this work and what I see the greatest benefit of this work is this continuous encouragement and reaffirmation of that truth within each individual and bringing that through in ways that are relevant and can be practiced and engaged with in everyday life. Especially on this tour it's, it's really been very inspiring to see people reach out to us who we've known for years and sharing how the seeds that have been planted in them through the retreats are continuing to sprout to this very day and how this meaning continues to unfold and deepen and what this is what these traditions were meant to be that it's not something that we're just going to do all kinds of different you know, new and entertaining and exotic things just to keep the the ego entertained. But yeah, there is a certain repetition that is involved. And you know, I found that the real traditions, they do involve the repetition of a certain meaning that continues to deepen, that there are deeper and deeper layers to that. And so yeah, there are certain creation stories, there are certain cosmologies that are brought forth as a context, as the stage for the evolution of consciousness to take place. And then uh, there is a reaffirmation of that that just keeps deepening in my own experience as well. It's just it has been a boundless depth to the wisdom of this mystery initiation schools where what initially seems just some kind of a fairy tale just starts to have a very very profound and deep meaning and there is a continuous engagement from the side of each individual where it is made real it is made relevant it's not just covered up by the appearance by the particular style of the different schools and lineages that we work with but where there are different methods that are effective for different people at different stages of their life and it's not something that is generic where it's kind of like one size fits all but each individual is able to find 
a particular facet that is relevant to them at that point of their inner experience, of their process, of the challenges that they're facing or the degree to which they're willing to face them. And then those seeds, they start to sprout. And then more and more meaning starts to come through. And these traditions, they work with the recognition of the embodied essence of that alive wisdom where it's not about just accumulating a bag of tricks this is one of the most meaningful things that i found about these traditions is that it is about developing a real human relationship with the practitioners with people with the real experiences with the real struggles witnessing that maturation of each individual in the way that they engage with life in a very tangible way and this is not something that i've encountered very often in my own life in many different paths and traditions along the way and i've learned to really treasure that when i have found that and of course our path is not for everyone either and there are many paths available today and many traditions and different there's a place for everything and everyone and at the same time what inspires me is uh, really to have a container to have a path to have uh, an access point to people who really wish to get to the root and who wish to get very real and not avoid anything and go as deep and as i guess far is a good word as they are ready and capable of without limitation and of course another part that inspires me about these traditions is that there are no secrets there are no special tricks everything is available the knowledge is not hidden it's not something that is given only to some special ones there is no ticket to heaven that is sold but it's available completely without hiding anything away without keeping anything and then can be applied by each individual to the degree that they are willing to actually be real with themselves so this mystery initiation schools they are not mysteries because something is kept away. It's because it's only possible to understand them to the degree of being willing to engage with oneself. In short. When you um, were speaking about looking life in the eyes and being present with everything and um, that comes and and the question that I have is um, like a lot of times in my life I do try to hold a positive space and um, also be a good reflection especially to the little people um, me being a father how do you face um, I mean it's kind of general just with everyday people and the public and peers and friends around you but also for the children um, when you're going through something and you look in death in the eyes and you have 
you know, you see that you're in the middle there, like in death, and it's not, you know, all rainbows and unicorns, and you really want to, you know, be the positive example through the experience of death as well, and have the little people around, but you're, you know, also grieving and being real about the pain mm -hmm. and what's happening, loss mm -hmm. and transformation. <clears throat> How do you yeah, balance that, especially with the kids or yeah. people that look up to you um, mm -hmm. when you're having a really a day? Like for me, it's like, oh, I, I don't feel happy right now, yeah, so yeah. I just want to go be by myself. Yeah, this is something that I continuously reflect upon and also struggle with. And at the same time also know that there is a lineage of real examples of people who are just yeah real real teachers about how to be so abundantly open and fearless and present and joyful whatever happens and I'm not always able to do it and at the same time I know that it's possible I know it is a practice and it's often not perfect and I've struggled a great deal in for a major portion of my new stage of life with this fatherhood because of wanting to be a perfect father and wanting to give my child everything that I have not received as a father and not being able to and failing miserably and really struggling with that and then tuning in into the wisdom of these traditions that I work with and seeing how they approach that and then recognizing the wisdom is just so profound where they speak about us not coming from our physical parents but through our physical parents mm -hmm. and that no matter how old we are we are always children of the universe always learning and how we cannot be perfect parents no matter how hard we try and at the same time it doesn't mean that perfect parents don't exist they are the universal parents the mother earth the symbol of that unconditional love no matter what always reminding us of that full support the father-son that bright light of consciousness that is continuously realizing just how unconditional this love is impartially shining no matter if it's an industrial city or if it's a beautiful rainforest yeah those are the universal parents those are the universal qualities that i can open up to i cannot possess them I can channel them through myself without making an identity out of that. And then also being real, you know, and relating to my child also as a human being, not just playing some kind of a role, mm -hmm. not hiding my own challenges. And he's been just a profound teacher for me of that. 
instead of trying to shield him from the challenges of life completely like not let him experience them and it's been the hardest part for me is when he hurts himself it's like my heart just shatters and it hurts me more than him I'm still struggling with that but I do see that yeah it's part of life I cannot completely shield him from that and yeah I can do my best but then the rest is I have to really honor his life experience and honor my own life experience and that's been just very helpful and profoundly healing in my own path in my own journey maybe you can speak to that a little bit more Roman. Mm-hmm. Um, Karen was asking to share a bit about the dream work practices that you work with and, mm. yeah. and uh, she was speaking that she hadn't Okay, the dream work practices. I mentioned a little bit in this talk about this dream of separation and the essential roles that each one of us can actually play in this dream of separation to awaken, to awaken to the reality of interconnectedness and to see all my relations in terms of these different sparks and the different qualities and the essence that this greater whole, the great spirit is communicating through to each one of us, recognizing each other. I know you, I know you. And knowing that deep longing for awakening, no matter how deep asleep we are, And this language is a very profound path of these traditions, right? It's part of this remembrance. It's uh, about really being open enough to my own experience where I can start recognizing myself in others and others in myself. So recently, just about a week ago, we did another, actually our first Facebook Live event. Cynthia mentioned that was more specifically geared towards understanding that dream language. But this dream language, it's the language of being. It's the language of the heart. It's the language of interconnectedness, the language of relating. It's this language of greater purpose to this life. Not seeing this life as just some kind of a random, separate, meaningless experience but it's this recognition that everything everything around us has a symbolic poetic metaphorical meaning not just living this life in a very mundane way but it's really this recognition how everything in our life is a symbol for awakening is a symbol for the greater openness of the heart-centered present. Recognize how this is a hero's journey that each one of us is on. Whether we know it or not, we all long for happiness. No one wants to suffer. And happiness is not possible unless shared. And so the recognition of every circumstance, every situation, every occasion in life as the background 
as the container, as the opportunity for this hero's journey to come forth, to manifest, to be recognized. Some of the most mundane things, you know, even boredom can be that dragon to be slayed, recognized in the dream language. Even the lack of inspiration can be that motivational factor to awaken. So everything is part of that communication. One thing that can be trusted in this life is that there will always be something to learn. The learning about the tender awakened heart. It's this journey to return to the wisdom of well-being. So that's just what I can say in short, but we had this actually it was quite nice came through many people resonated and found that talk relevant about the dream language so again much gratitude everyone to keep making this work possible to keep allowing these lineages to stay alive just a little bit longer and a little bit longer and then go through generations thank you for joining us if you have found value in what we have shared, we welcome donations in order to continue this service. To make a donation or to ask a question, visit our website at www.paititi-institute.org. That's www.paititi-institute.org. May all beings be happy and free.